A reading from 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning with verse 8. Finally, all of you have unity of spirit, sympathy, love for one another, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or abuse for abuse, but on the contrary, repay with a blessing. It is for this that you were called, that you might inherit a blessing. For those who desire life and desire to see good days, let them keep their tongues from evil and their lips from speaking deceit. Let them turn away from evil and do good. Let them seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now who will harm you if you are eager to do what is good? But even if you do suffer for doing what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear and do not be intimidated, but in your hearts sanctify Christ as Lord. Always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an accounting for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and reverence. Keep your conscience clear so that when you are maligned, those who abuse you for your good conduct in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good if suffering should be God's will than to suffer for doing evil. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, in order to bring you to God. The word of God for the people of God. Amen. Thanks be to God. You ever heard the saying, don't judge a book by its cover? Anybody? You ever heard of saying, don't judge a preacher by the first sermon after he moves? <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm tired. But I told you I was excited, right? I'm glad to be here. Because here's what's going to happen. You are going to become part of my story. Have you thought about that yet? Do you know that you have a story, anybody? Everybody? Could you tell the story of your life in just a few minutes? If I invited you up here, could you tell a little story about who you were, where you grew up, who told you about Jesus? Could you stand up in this group and say, hey, I used to be this person, now I'm this person. I used to like this, now I do this. You could stand up and talk about yourself, couldn't you? For many people, it's their favorite subject. You have a story. You individually have a story. And you, the congregation at Manning, has a story. I saw a picture in the hallway, a Bible class from 1915. They had 129,000 people at Sunday school that morning. <laughs> Have y'all seen that picture? Right down there in the hallway, it's black and white. I said, man, look at all them people showed up to study the Bible. 
That was their story. That picture is part of your story, and your story changes every year, doesn't it? Don't new people come and people go? Their ebbs and tides, your story shifts somewhat. As you learn who it is that Christ would have Manning United Methodist Church be, and then all of a sudden, they send this loud, crazy, fat guy into your church. And he has a story. Uh-oh, now we got three stories, right? Have you ever seen a Trinity circle? You got a circle here, circle here, circle here. This would work better if I had some visual aids, wouldn't it? If you've seen one of those, you know that in the middle, there's a shape formed, a mandala shape. And that place where God's story, and let's pick on Job, where God's story and Job's story and Manning's story intersect, that is the holy place of ministry. That is the holy place of the ministry of reconciliation where people can see that Jesus is real. If it's just my story, then it's my opinion. If it's just your story, then it's just your experience. But if it's all of our stories together that people see through the love that we have for one another in the midst of whatever the world throws at us, that place is impossible to deny. And that place where God's story and Manning's story and your story and my story intersects is the holy place that God would see us do ministry out of. That's the place where we can truly see that Jesus is One of the best things about this faith is we don't have to talk about a Savior who was. Who came and died and was buried and that was the end of the story. But no, we have a greater hope. He was raised. And if He was raised, then we can be raised. The same Spirit, Paul said, who gave life to His body will give life to your mortal body. My story shifted in ways that I didn't want. I don't want to shock you, but the last thing I ever wanted to be was a pastor. And that's just the truth. I was 17 years old, being the acolyte, because nobody else would do it. I mean, plus, you get to go out and do something, and, you know, before the acolyte lights candles, nothing else happens, right? And I was sitting on the front row of the church watching Jerry Phillips preach. He was my pastor at the time. And I know that I have something weird in my brain, because if I don't listen to something while I'm working, I can't focus. And when I do that... There'll be a radio on in my office or something like that, and I can't really hear the words, but I hear the noise. You know what I mean? You ever had that experience? Jerry became like that radio. I couldn't hear him, but I could hear what he, I could hear sound, but I couldn't understand. I couldn't hear what he was saying. It sounded kind of like the teacher on Peanuts. And I heard a voice say, this is what you're to do with your life. And I buried that immediately. I said, hell no, I'm not doing that with my life. (laughs) I have seen how this church treats him, how some people treated him. I don't want to live like that. 
He's got to move around all the time. Somebody else gets to tell him where to live. That's not what I want. I want to be an architect. If you ask my wife why she married a preacher, she'll tell you she didn't. <laughs> she married an architect. I had a plan. I think God loves it the most when we have a plan. That he can mess in and turn us toward him in the midst of it. And I ran. I truly did. I wish I'd had the sense to go to Jerry and say, Jerry, I had this weird experience while you were preaching today. And I think maybe I'm being called to preach. But I didn't have the guts to do that. I didn't have the guts and the courage to say that God was real enough to me that I'd heard God call. That takes faith. That takes the kind of faith that really can move a mountain and really can move a heart. Hearts are harder to move than mountains. Did you know that, church? So I set about to make myself unworthy of God's calling. And then when I was in architectural school and graduate school, I didn't attend church a single time in two years. Because I knew what was there. It wasn't who I wanted to be. I think I might have gone once during the summer of 92. My wife and I decided we would get married in October of 1993. We tried to set the date on my birthday so I wouldn't forget our anniversary. <laughs> but the men's club was having a fish fry. <laughs> and they wouldn't move it. If we had had any sense, we would have had the men's club cater our wedding. <laughs> but we moved it to October 23rd. And after we were married, I told Samantha, I said, you know, our marriage needs for us to have a stable church. We need to have a place where we can follow God together. Even though I had run from God's call on my life, dear ones, I still prayed and I still loved Christ. One of my friends, Billy Owens, who we all call Buddha, said, I knew you were a massive conflict, but I didn't understand it till you told me you were going into ministry. I ran pretty hard from it. And in a little church in Swansea, South Carolina, God turned my calling from a threat into a hope. Through voices like Vincent Huckabee, who told me one Sunday after I led worship, he said, boy, y'all to go, we'll vote for you. We'll send you. I had told him I was struggling with a call to ministry. Had somebody flat out ask me if I was a new pastor in town at a Bible study the first time I came. And all she'd ever done was look at me. And those voices piled up to the point that I became miserable because I was not following who God wanted me to be. Even though I loved God and we had found a church home where I was free to worship and feel unthreatened by that call, God kept bringing voices to my ears to say, David, this is not who you are. And I remember one day I got in the floor to read my Bible and I was just broken hearted about who I was. And I was looking for comfort so I did that thing you do sometimes where you just flip your Bible open and read whatever falls open. Would you believe that it fell open to the book of Jonah? 
And I realized then that I had been swallowed by a whale. And that whale was my own conceit, my own desires, and my own pride for my life. Because I enjoyed the thought of saying I was an architect more than I thought I could ever enjoy the thought of saying I was a pastor. And you know what? I was wrong. The last 16 years have been the best years of my life. It's also been some of the hardest. And that's not my whole story. But y'all want to go home before 3 (laughs) o'clock. Peter says to us today, if I can figure out where I left my glasses, I'm going to read it to you. Listen to this. In your hearts, sanctify Christ as Lord. When you find yourself suffering, whether it's suffering you brought upon yourself the way that I did or suffering that someone else has brought upon you, know this, if you set apart Christ in your heart as Lord, your suffering is redeemable and can become a gift that you offer to God as a kind of worship. To persevere through suffering because of the glory of Christ is the highest calling of a Christian. It's not to be blessed with a big gigantic house and all these kinds of things that the teachers on TV are selling you as being the Christian hope. The Christian hope is that I might somehow lose my life for Christ. And I'm trying to do that by living out this calling he has put on me. And it's hard. And that's why I need your prayers. There are days when I would like to go back to Egypt where my thoughts turn back to walking into an architecture firm and say, y'all got any jobs open? And then there are days when I remember how beautiful it has been to serve Christ in this way. You have a story like that. It might not be being called to be a pastor, but you have a story of what it looked like in your life for you to sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart. To set Christ apart as your King. To know in your heart that He is your Lord and that you will follow Him no matter what. That whatever He says you will do, whoever He sends you to, you will go. Whoever He calls you to love, you will love. That's what that means. And so Peter says, when you suffer, when you go through anything that isn't what you would choose for yourself, remember who it is who is your Lord. Remember who it is that suffered for you to free you from sin, to free you for joyful obedience, to give you a way to live to honor Him. I was freed for joyful obedience by people who came to me and helped me to hear my calling as something other than a threat. Oh, dear ones, I would love to help you do the same. Have you wondered what it is that Christ might be calling you to? What gift it is that Christ has hidden away in you to be used for the purpose of the church to make Jesus known? Peter says, set him apart as Lord and seek him as king, and then he says, always be ready. Always be ready to make a defense. 
to make a defense, to give an account to anyone who asks for the hope that is in you. You might be here today because you have hope. Maybe you're here because you're searching for hope. Many of us come to worship searching for something that we can hold on to for the rest of the week that will give us hope that we can somehow be better than we were yesterday. Whatever that might look like. And you might already have that hope. But wherever you are in that, we're all in that together to teach one another what it looks like to set Christ apart as Lord and to find the hope that we have in Him because Jesus is. He's not was. He's not dead. He's not in the grave. He's resurrected. He's ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God to make intercession for you. And He, He can heal you of whatever it is that defeats your hope. He can make whatever it is that makes you miserable redeemable. He can transform the heart. How do I know that? As dear ones, my account to you is that he transformed mine. I went from refusing God's call on my life, from literally praying against it, to one day I realized that I was sitting at the desk of my office praying that God would open doors for me to follow that calling. At some point, I began praying to be a pastor. That is my account. And Peter calls you to be ready to give yours. So if you've never thought about it before, dear ones, this week, this week, in some quiet moment, think about the ways that Christ has been at work in your life. Think about the ways that you have changed since you met him. Think about the people who introduced you to him. Ponder their faith. Because you have a story that the world needs to hear. I ask you to do that in the name of the Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.